on work as a society, all of us. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. That no people on earth are so fearless or daring or determined. The world is not driven by greed. It's driven by envy. This is the most macro environment as I've ever seen. Undercapitalized, the wrong people, bad market conditions. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. All right, everybody, welcome to the TEL podcast where we talk to, educate, and lead America's small business owners, managers, and anybody else willing to listen into the 21st century of business. I'm Taylor Lasseter. I'm down in the great state of Texas in the town of San Antonio, where it's nice and hot and humid. (laughs) I'm here with a a good friend of mine that I served with in the Marine Corps, Paul Perez. Paul, how's it going, man? It's going good, brother. Thank you very much, man. It's good seeing you. Yeah, good seeing you. Uh, Tell me about yourself. Who are you? What you do? Yeah. So Where you come from? Paul Perez, um, born, raised uh, in San Antonio, Texas. Um, Yeah, uh, been... After I got out of the uh, Marine Corps, well, back up, um, grew up on the south side of San Antonio, um, pretty rough area. Uh, when I left to the Marine Corps, uh, <laughs> raised my right hand and uh, joined the joined the infantry. Uh, that wasn't the that wasn't the case initially. Um, the recruiter I had actually uh, sold me on the idea uh, to be a postal clerk. Um, what? Yeah, that's a job. Yeah, bro. <laughs> so I mean, I, here I am, man. I was, you know, uh, still wet behind the ears. My recruiter is a postal clerk. He's like, man, best job. You know, when you get out, you know, another job. You know, two retirements. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, thought about it a little bit more, man. And uh, I remember watching Full Metal Jacket, and uh, that kind of did it for me, man. I went back to the recruiter's office, and I was like. I'll never forget him, Sergeant Katala. He had the first first desk to my right as you're walking in, and um, uh, to the to the right of him was uh, Sergeant Lerma. And uh, as I walked in, Lerma was there this time, and uh, I, I told, "Hey, uh, Sergeant, I I don't know if I want to be a, a postal clerk, man. Like, is there anything else that I can do?" And uh, uh, Lerma was like, a "What?" He's like, "You're man, you're not going to be no postal clerk." And he had all these pictures on the wall. Of he was an infantry guy, and he was like, "What do you like to do?" And I was like, ah, "You know, I like, like to hunt, fish." You know, he was like, "You're an outdoors guy." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Come here, let me show you these pictures." And um, he's like, "Show me." He's like, "Man, you want to be an infantry man? You know, this is what you want to do. You know, get dirty, shoot some guns, and like, yeah, man, that's what I want to do." And uh, like, long story short, you know, that's I ended up signed the contract, left to the uh, left to the infantry, and did my time, uh, got out. Uh, in the interim, uh, had four beautiful girls, uh, been married, uh, 24, you going on 25 years, um, you know, fast forward, uh, retired, um, I started going to school, uh, for something completely different. You know, what I'm doing now is actually going to school to be a chiropractor, um, got accepted, uh, to Parker University, Parker University did the, um, onboarding, but it was contingent um, on two classes. It was contingent on uh, OCHEM 1 and 2 being completed. Uh, Started, uh, but then, you know, this came came on my lap. Um, uh, A guy I knew, um, knew the owners of the company. Um, 
the owner of the company, Marine as well, uh, Tony Diaz, and um, open-minded, you know, uh, but I did tell, uh, you know, I told, I told the guys, like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, you know, what it is to be a, a loan officer. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't want to waste their time. You know, I know nothing about it. I've used a loan, you know, a couple of times, uh, but, you know, I don't, again, I don't, I'm not experienced, you know, like just sit down with them. Um, but when I sat down with them, you know, what stood out was the response after I told, you know, them that uh, I didn't come with experience, you know, and, you know, the response was we're, we're, we don't care about the experience. We care about the heart, you know, uh, the mindset of the people we're bringing on board. And that's kind of what hooked me, you know, um, them being specifically geared to help veterans um, that 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 got me, and um, I asked them, okay, you know, how do I become a part of this? Uh, then it was, uh, you got to take a test, you got to take the MLO test, and um, I, I went in there pretty cocky, man. I'm not gonna lie, uh, and it humbled me. Um, I was taking some pretty hard classes, and I was doing very well in college, and. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the first go around, it was, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it, it slapped me. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, like in the Marine Corps, most of the tests are pretty easy. Yeah. Like looking back, it's like if you actually, you actually try, it's like easy. There's dudes mm -hmm. that don't try and they pass everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. Different ballgame, <laughs> man. Uh, but since then, you know, um, been in this game, you know, going on seven years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's stressful, not gonna lie. Um, holding the responsibility of a family's milestone, um, it weighs heavy, you know, some sleepless nights sometimes, but um, I was fortunate to have some great mentors uh, when I was in and uh, they advised me, you know, you, it's not a job when you can wake up and do it all over again, no matter the obstacles, the stresses that come with it. Um, and, you know, we, I can have some bad days, you know, but I get up and I want to do it all over again, you know, because I know on the opposite side of that is a family, you know, mm -hmm. a veteran family that I very, very much want to help out and see at the closing table um, because at the closing table, man, it's very emotional, um, you know, especially helping those families that have been told, no, you, you can't do it or been lied to, um, you know, it, it gets very emotional with, with that. but. Uh, that's everything, you know, you do something really hard and it all makes it worth it, you know, at, at that at that time. Yeah, I talk about that quite a bit in this. I mean, the whole reason I started this podcast was to show the human side of business. Um, a lot of people are working jobs where they probably don't even like their job and they're treated like just a number and it just makes life seem kind of bleak, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I talk about purpose all the time and stuff too. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly searching for my purpose, but in doing that, that's how I'm growing and sure. that's how I'm learning new things and yeah. meeting new people and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to back up back to the beginning. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's back up. <laughs> okay. We got two hours here. Yeah. So we'll, we'll <laughs> let's go get back. comfortable. I'm not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> um, so Grew up in Texas. Yeah. Did you grow up in San Antonio the I did. whole time? I okay. grew up on the south side. Um, Was that a rough side of San Antonio? Yeah. So they call it the circle. Okay. Um, and you really don't know um, unless you're in the neighborhood. You're even you grew up on the south side. Um, you can say you're from the south side, but you really don't know the circle unless you know. Like I'm from the circle. I'm from mm -hmm. this particular part of uh, the south side. Um, but 
you know, I, I've been blessed, man. You know, I, I believe, you know, going on 45, um, I've, I've had people looking out for me, you know, my dad, you know, my dad, my grandfather, um, that they knew the, the neighborhood very, very well and were very respected in the neighborhood. And my dad has checked me, you know, hanging around with those guys. It was known like um, he's not going to be a part of this. Were they in that life, and that's why they were respected in that neighborhood? My dad, yeah, yeah. my dad. Um, my grandfather, um, he earned respect because he uh, he loved barbecue. Um, uh, yeah. He had a, it's still there to this day. He has a big pit. It can hold, you know, 17, 18 briskets. That's great. Um, so people would go to him and ask him, like, hey, can you do me a favor and cook these briskets? And man, he'd, he'd do it just because he loved you know, that, you know, giving, you know, uh, giving back, you know, at that time. Um, so they knew him. Um, so my grandfather's no longer here. Um, he passed some years back. My grandmother's still here uh, and we're pretty close. So heroin is, is big in, in the neighborhood and um, you have a lot of drug addicts. And my grandmother called me, well, I actually called my grandmother and she told me that um, some stuff had been stolen off of her, por her porch um, and my dad, you know, got involved. The, there's a drug dealer that's been there. Um, he lived in front of him. Uh, well, he's no longer here. He passed. Uh, but at the time, um, he found out about it. He found out that my grandmother had some stuff taken from her. She got it back that day um, because of the respect, you know. Oh, so like uh, they didn't know who it was that they stole from or? The guy, the drug dealer knew. Oh. He found out who it was and... Um, got it back, you know, got it back. So when we talk about respect in the neighborhood, again, my grandfather's no longer here, but his respect carries yeah. because my grandmother's still there and they take care of her. So, um, you know, I'm, she's always in the back, my parents are in the back of my mind constantly because it's a very rough area, they're older, um, you know, and there's a lot of drug addicts, there's gangs in the area. So it's always in the back of my mind, you know, um, but they've been there so long, you know, and they know people. Um, I think it's just being a good people, man, that kind of just tells everybody, like, you stay away from these people um, yeah. because they're just good people. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny you say that you've got family that's into barbecue and stuff. I have a, I don't know if he's my great-great-grandfather or great-grandfather, um, Stanley. He has a big, he opened a pit barbecue in Tyler, Texas, mm. and they still, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that's pretty cool. I love it, man. I have to try it next I, time I come down here. I'm gonna have to get some of that if, they, if oh, that's still there. I don't know if I want to go to that neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some. You, I'll have you go with me. Yeah, escort me. <laughs> there's some. Uh, I mean, the the best spots are in the rougher parts of town. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know those. But yeah, I, I after I retired, I you know, um, I that's kind of my outlet now. Mm -hmm. You know, is barbecue, um, lawn care crazy enough, like I, <laughs> I get my old man status from that, but um, it's a lot of work, man. It, it is a lot of work. You gotta wake up early and prep everything. Um, you're drained at the end of a smoke. Um, but my fulfillment is serving like yeah. people, like, like I, I want them to enjoy this. So I'm gonna put my heart and soul into it. And um, you know, the end result is just them enjoying, you know, yeah. something that I, I worked on. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I mean, I know a lot of times in those communities, the parents not being together mm -hmm. drives a lot of that. It's like a snowball. It just 
continues and stuff. Right. I think probably in your case, having your parents together and you know guiding you and stuff is what made you who you are today. It's huge, man. Um, growing up, uh, you know, as a young punk, you don't really you don't see it at that you know at that age mm -hmm. you know until you get older and you see the uh, hard work um, that your your parents go through um, to you know to 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 pour into you to to raise you um, you know as a teenager you know I was always pushing back because you know advice or whatever and like ah you don't know what you're talking about you know but in hindsight I'm like oh they knew exactly what they were talking about and the discipline. Um, the, the why, the why was there, like, I'm going to do this. So fast forward, my kids, you know, four girls, a grandson that stays with me. So I'm raising a man, you know, um, uh, since we've had him since birth. Um, and now it, the ball's in my court. Now it's, you know, remembering what my dad, my grandfather would tell me and now pouring into my grandson, like, I'm going to be hard on you and you may not like the things that I'm teaching you or telling you, but there's a reason behind it. And when you get old enough, you're going to see it, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really hard on it, man. Like, I'm, you know, discipline wise, uh, you know, but it's like, I think what we taught in the Marine Corps, um, I want my guys to be better than me. You know, I want them to take my place or go further than me. Um, it, it translates to being a husband, to being a father, you know, um, I want to be better. You know, I want my kids to be better than me. Um, so that way they have a better foot forward, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total sense, man. Um, I, I would say like you're prop, you are the only staff and CO off out of all the staff and COs officers that I had, you were the only one that even said anything about go get education. I never did it because I was stupid mm. or I didn't have time because we we're always training. But you were the only one that said, like, go better yourself. Yeah. Everybody else was all just like mission first yeah. and not anything about like what could happen after either you get out or if you want to get farther in your career. You were the only one that said anything. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, don't get me wrong, man. Like, I, I, I had some good people. So it's not something that I made up. You know, like there's a, I, I, but I also had the, the crappy ones. I had the, the crappy leaders, um, but I learned, I, I think it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a blessing to have the good and the bad because it makes you the person you take, you know, like, that's what I never want to be. I never want to be this person. Um, but I, I, I took it, I learned from it, but the amazing leaders were like, oh man, I want to, I want to be exactly how you are. Um, and then creating your own personality, your own leadership. Um, uh, yeah, man, I, 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 I truly believed, and I learned, uh, again, late in the game, uh, at some point I'm going to be gone. You know, who's going to take my spot? Um, loving the Marine Corps as, as much as I did, it was a hard decision, um, you know, to, to get out, you know, I, at talking it over with my family like, is this something that I'm ready to do? That do I want to do this? Because it was everything to me. Um, but at the same time, like, I knew that there was people. Uh, the Marine Corps is not going to blink an eye. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. who's up? You know, who's next? You, I think you, you know how well you did um, when you're gone and you see the unit continuing to be successful. 
Um, and you can really tell like how good a leader are you when you take yourself out. If the machine continues to carry forward, you're doing stuff right. If it fails, you need to check yourself. Yeah, well, I think a lot of guys look at it like when they're in and they're working their butts off and everything's messed up. I mean, you got out as a first sergeant, right? Yeah. I got out as a corporal. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was in that in-between rank where like you don't quite have any say, but then you're also in charge of some younger guys. And so when things were messed up, it was always higher that's messing everything up. So whenever I got out and everything goes to crap and there's dudes that are still working there, it's like, it's not really my fault. Like I knew it was crap, but what did I do? And so whenever I thought about that, it was like, okay, well, the thing I did have influence over was the younger, the younger Marines. Yeah. How are they doing now? And that's how I kind of gauged like how well I think I did. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that I was toward the end of the enlistment, super bitter about everything. Sure. I always cared about them, about like, we have to, we have to get these guys up to par. You know, yeah. that was my job as a corporal. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. it's a different mentality, man. Like you thinking like that, because um, not, that's not everybody. It's always me, me, me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 how, you know, what's in it for me? How do I do, you know, it, um, I think we all go through it as, and I'll just say it like as a, as a, as a boy, you know, you have that mindset of me, I'm going to take everything. I, I, you know, everything's given to me. I think the transition into you being a man is when you finally realize like, it's not just about you. It's about, it's about serving. It's about giving back. Um, uh, how do I make my Marines better than me? Um, how do I make my children better than me? You know, how do I become a better person? Um, you know, I think that's, that's where I, I can rest easy, you know, because I think I'm at that milestone now where, um, I can, I've checked the boxes, you know, um, in the Marine Corps, I think it was at my retirement speech. Um, as I checked the boxes, I wasn't going to wait for, um, a rank, uh, because why, you know, why do I, why do I need to wait for the rank or for the pay? Well, that wasn't important to me. You know, I, as a recruiter, I recruited them as a drill instructor. I trained them as a infantry staff and CO. I led them in combat. Um, so my job, you know, I, I, I did it, you know, I, 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 and I did it to the best of my ability. Did I do it perfect? Hell no. I made a lot of mistakes. I'm still making mistakes today, um, but I'm growing from it. You know, um, I, I realize, you know, um, every night, like, okay, what what did I do? What did I not do? How could I have done it better? Um, now that I have a team, you know, that works right beside me, um, it, it's always that, you know, I'm always thinking about the team, the team, the team. Uh, you know, they have their goals, they have their families, they have ambitions that they're working to. How do I get them to the next step? Um, so, you know, that's kind of my mentality now. Yeah. How did uh, going through drill instructor school, how did that shape the rest of your your career? Because that's a whole, <laughs> that's just different. I mean, it's different from everything else because you're you're taking civilians who are just, bag of ass right. and making them this machine. <laughs> yeah. You have to be a machine yourself, but it takes a lot of sacrifice and like, like 
What was that process like? Yeah, man. Um, first Sergeant CC at the time, not Sergeant Major CC, uh, as I was, as we were leaving Iraq, um, as we were leaving Ramadi, uh, he was one of my mentors and he's like, dude, we need to set you apart from your peers. You've already done a B-bill at the time. Um, not many Marines are gonna raise their hand to do recruiting because it's hard in itself to do another hard B-billet, drill instructor duty. Um, not many people are doing that. So that's what you need to do. You need to, and he was like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think it's gonna be, a, I don't think you're gonna get approved because you already did that. Put in the package, see what they say. And um, sure enough, man, I got, I got selected. What, and, what year was that? This was in 08. Um, I'm sorry, no, no, no. Uh, oh six, oh seven, ah, something like that. It was around that. Okay. Uh, Did you join uh, before or after nine eleven? I joined ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and so my package went in. Uh, I got selected. Um, so drill instructor school, man. It's uh, you know, those that have been through boot camp, it's quadruple. Um, the intensity because now we're Marines, we we understand, um, you know, they they say that's the top 10% that volunteer to go do this. Um, and it, it you know, it, a lot of it, it's self-induced um, how we portray ourselves, you know, to the recruits, to, um, to the Marines when they're now Marines. Uh, you cannot show weakness um, at, at all. If you show weakness, you know, you're, you're labeling yourself. You, you know, we can't do that. You know, you're, you're a Marine. Mm -hmm. You had to push past the pain. Um, so, uh, you know, the first few cycles, um, any drill instructor that's a green bell is going to tell you is, is it's intense, man. You're going to lose a lot of weight. They tell us at school, buy shoes, your core frames or your boots, um, wider, and a size bigger because your feet are going to swell. Um, you know, you're, you know, you're going to lose a lot of weight. You're going to spit up blood. Your head's going to feel like it's going to want to pop. Um, and it did that you feel like, you know, I've never had a migraine. I don't know what that feels like, but I felt like my head was going to pop from yelling so much. you you know, your, your blood's going to your head. You're screaming so loud and you just stop. Um, and the only way to get rid of it is not by Tylenol or, you know, any sort of ibuprofen, it's by yelling more. It's continuing to do the same thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, it, it, it was, um, it was a journey, man, but you know what, you know, getting these civilians and you get them and you're so annoyed because they don't know and you expect them to, your expectations are high. And they're coming in not knowing, you know, how yeah. to- Yeah, your expectations are what you're at now. Yes, yeah. And I struggle with that. I, I, I struggle with that now because, I, you know, I'll get back to it, but now my kids, you know, um, I have kids and my wife tells me like, dude, calm down. Like, they're not gonna get it. Like with Davin, you know, I, like yeah. I said, I'm hard on him. Like no man, like you should get it. Like he, like dude, he's seven years old. <laughs> like calm down, and I have to check myself. Yeah. You know, but same that's thing. crazy that because you have four daughters. So yeah. Before he came along, 
So it's like you'd think you'd like soften up a little bit before he comes around. <laughs> My girls are tough, dude. Um, I I would I would treat them like 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 boys. I wrestle with them and punch them in the stomach and you know like be really rough with them because I don't know, man. Like you know, I was always I got them in jujitsu and like I would show them how to box and I have video, man, of just them slugging it out <laughs> just because you know I. I, they're my babies, you know, like I want them to be able to handle themselves if the situation ever came to that. Um, you know, but now with, now with a boy, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to raise this dude. Yeah. Um, one respect, you know, um, discipline, integrity, uh, the intangibles that I wish I learned a lot sooner in life. Trying to him, like, you need to get this yesterday. Like you need to understand this yesterday, but checking myself, man, like, uh, all right, it's gonna be a step at a time, you right. know? Um, but going back to the to the recruits, um, it's it's a journey, you know, it's a three month journey, um, but the reward is everything, the blood, sweat, and tears that you do as a drill instructor, fast forward, they're now Marines. And when the parents come and thank you, um, and shake your hand because there's someone different. You know, they now have these things. Now, you and I both know, Marines know, like, you know, you're not going to, they're not going to graduate the perfect Marine. There's still a lot of growing. Yeah, even, I, I think our, I'll say, like, the first time I met you was in boot camp. You were my uh, series chief drill instructor. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of talk about that a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> I think our honor grad for Alpha Company, I think he like got kicked out or something. Something happened to him. Yeah. He's the honor grad of the whole yeah. company and he ended up being being kicked out or something. I don't even remember his name, which is yeah. probably a good thing. But yeah. yeah. I see it, dude. Like, you know, we it's like that you can lead a horse saying, right? Lead yeah. a horse to water. Now what are you gonna do with these things? Um and it's just I, I think it's life, man. Like life throws these things at you. Um, how are you gonna, you know, how are you gonna react at that crossroad? You know, what route are you gonna take? Um, yeah, and sometimes we pay for it, man, you know, um, pretty bad. Um, been put in those situations as well, you know, um, but again, those those situations, you know, make who I am today. Sure. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it was a great duty. Um, recruiting was a great duty. Uh, it, you know, kind of we were talking about yesterday, um, very introverted, you know, uh, didn't want to talk to people. Um, I was antisocial. And, uh, you know, my my wife, Felisa, was like, hey, I talked to another wife. Uh, if you volunteer for recruiting duty, you can, we can go back home. And um, I'm like, okay, so obviously want to, you know, uh, I want to make her comfortable. Like, all right, let's 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 see what this looks like. And um, my first sergeant at the time knew the sergeant major of RS San Antonio. And uh, he said, hey, I have a Marine, you know, a good Marine. Can he go PTAD, work with you for a month, see what he's like and see if there's an opportunity for him. Sure enough, I came, worked here, um, got an interview with the, uh, the, uh, the RI, the recruiter instructor who was a master guns at the time. And, um, you know, kind of sold myself, you know, to him. I was a 
sergeant, I believe, newly promoted sergeant, young, um, knew the area. And, um, you know, uh, at that point, it was, I just want to come home. Like, I just want to be home, but mm -hmm. not knowing, like, ah, oh, man, you're going to pull me into an uncomfort zone of talking to people. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to talk to the, these kids at school. You know, like, I have no intention to. But now it's, this is the mission. You know, like, this is what you're being missioned out to. So you're going to succeed or you're going to fail. Um, and I don't like failing. You know, so it was, all right, man, suck it up. Go to that table with all the varsity football players and go spark a conversation with them. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's intimidating, dude. Like, yeah, you think yeah. like, you're a Marine, man. Like, hey, this is not an yeah. issue at all. Had, but, you, had you deployed overseas yet? Yeah, yeah, twice at that point. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's so crazy. I'd rather do that than talk in public <laughs> exactly. to, people, to some high schoolers. Oh, bro, yeah. So there was times that, um, I had to give like uh, like certificates or you know whatever uh, in front of hundreds of people, and I'm like, oh man, this is not me. I don't want to do this. But fast forward, man, it's like um, I'm glad I did that because you know it shaped me to be okay with it now. Um, but I, I'm you know I'm I still get nervous you know talking to. Uh, talking to people, especially crowds, mm -hmm. this is uncomfortable for me. But how do I grow? How do I look my kids in the face and say, "Keep pushing, get get uncomfortable." You know, I can't. I'd be a hypocrite. You yeah. Know? So this is big for me because I've never done this before, and I'm sweating profusely through my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all right. Um, yeah, it, it is that that growth happens through the struggle. And what's different about um, the military versus now is like we're in control of that. Mm -hmm. We can turn the dial up or down on what we think is comfortable or not. Versus the Marine Corps, it's like, nope, go do it. Yeah. Like, roger that. <laughs> yeah. But here it's like it's on us. So we can take the easy route and never be uncomfortable again. Sure. I think a lot of dudes do that whenever they, they get out. Mm -hmm. They're so used to, they're like, I don't, I don't want to run again. I don't want to work out again. I want to eat whatever I want. I want to you know, sleep in as long as I want. And then they, they slowly start to see their life start to tear apart because that's just not how we're built. We're supposed to, we're supposed to go through some, a little bit of pain to yeah. get to the other side. Sure. Yeah. The, I think, um, who was I, I read that, um, I used to be into CrossFit dude, during that phase or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was Rich Froning that said that, uh, like we are made to move. Um, and if you don't move, your body's going to start deteriorating. Um, I, I still do, you know, at, at, not at an intense level, but I try to stay, you know, physically active, not for myself, but for my kids, yeah. you know. Um, I want to still be mobile, you know, and not in a wheelchair or on a, you know, on a cane um, for my following grandkids, you know, being able to do stuff with them, run with them. Um, you know, wrestle with them, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I truly believe that. In regards to getting better, you know, um, uh, bettering myself. Um, I don't know, I'm never gonna be perfect, dude. Like, hmm. I'm never gonna be at 100%. You know, I'm always gonna learn something. I'm gonna continue to fail, um, you know, in my life. But it's recognizing it and saying, okay, I, I learned from that and now it's just growing from that. Yeah, I mean, that goes into the whole purpose thing too. It's like, 
when you say live with purpose, it's literally every aspect of your life. Like you just said it, like I'm not trying to stay physically active just for my benefit. It's so it's for others. If I am doing what I'm supposed to and I'm growing, it's only going to benefit those that I'm, that I'm doing it for. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, what did, uh, I mean, you made it all the way up to first sergeant, mm-hmm. but what did that look like at every phase? Not not at every rank necessarily, but like when you started getting more responsibility, less of the physical and more of the admin, mm-hmm. what did that look like? Did you see any like issues and like were you able to fix any of the issues or was it just a... Yeah, um, it, it came with the, some things that it hurt. You know, um, we talk about, you know, the Marine Corps and us being, you know... Um, being able to be, you know, disciplined. And what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be have a disciplined unit? You know, with, with every leadership position, when I, when I started off, I was the youngest corporal, you know, um, I got promoted, you know, fast uh, as a corporal. Um, now my seniors, I was in charge of, um, but I've had to, I had to have that talk with them, like, and like pull them in, grab some beer and like, Look, dude, you know, I've been given a position. I've been given a title. We can be good or we cannot be good. You know, like at the end of the day, there's a mission, you know, and if you respect that, if you respect me as a friend, then everything's good, you know. Um, but you, it was hard. It was hard at, at that phase as a corporal um, because I grew up with these dudes, you know, like we were Lance Corporals together now it was like, um, yo, man, we were just drinking beer yesterday, and now you're telling me I got Firewatch, you know? Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you yeah. do. Um, but again, it's it's uh, being able to talk through that, like communicate through that, like letting them know, if, dude, if 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 it was reverse, I respect you enough to separate the two. Like to know, like you got a job to do. I got a job to do. I respect the rank. I respect you as a person. I'm not going to disrespect you because you have to make a call and put something in place. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it, it it did hurt because um, the further in rank I had, I fell in love with my dudes so much. Um, that word love, man. Like I have a even to this day, I have a hard time with that word, like love, because We'll talk about that later, but it's very, very hard because these dudes literally, like they were willing to give their life for me. And same, I would give my life for them if that opportunity presented itself when we were in in it, Um, you know, in in combat or or whatever it is. Um, I was willing to do that, you know, same. They were willing to do that for me. Um, Being at that level, of relationship with these dudes, it was hard when they would mess up and they knew they messed up. Now it was, now you gotta, now you gotta pay the repercussions of you doing or making that decision. But understand, you know, um, this is, this is, you know, what it is. This is what makes the Marine Corps um, is, you know, we have to have these things in place because if we didn't have these things in place, what are we, who are we, you know? Um, uh, but again, 
I always had to have that closed door, closed door conversation with my, 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 my counterpart, the CO, um, or whoever the, the commanding officer was and letting them know like, Hey, sir, I, I need you to f rewind and go back to your 18, 19, 20 year old phase when you were in college, boozing it up, you know, underage. I need you to keep that mindset when you're about to write this dude up for, you know, a minor possession or whatever it was. Yeah. Keep that in mind, you know? Um, so if there's something that we can do to, you know, slap his hand um, um, and make him learn from this, let's let's do that um and save his career and there's dude there's there's dudes right now that are currently serving um that if we went down that tr that route they wouldn't be in um but it was again letting you know making sure i was looking at it from a different perspective of i was once there and i'm not going to be a hypocrite you know yeah um and letting the CEO know, like, you got a job to do and we have to keep discipline within the unit, um, but let's make sure that we're looking at all angles and expanding every approach first. Yeah, I I wish there were more like you. <laughs> My gosh, I know you probably don't see yourself as being one of the good ones, but I, I, was, in, I was in a unit that it was the exact opposite of that, mm -hmm. where... There was staff NCOs. We had a master sergeant that I got a speeding ticket, very first speeding ticket I ever got. It was right after deployment. I was, you know, I was being dumb. I got my truck washed. The dryer wasn't working. So I was like, I'm just going to drive 100 down the road. It'll dry itself. Yeah. And I got pulled over. First ticket. I had a, uh, a gunny that was trying to max me out for that. He, he had speeding tickets. Yeah. And then there was another master sergeant that was that would get on me for something where I'm you know I'm trying to do kind of what you do with the with the CEO where you're like that that buffer in between the younger and the older you're like the 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 seasoned guy that's trying to like okay well here's a perspective from these guys like let's try to do this didn't like that and I would do it respectfully mm -hmm. this guy had eight speeding tickets in one month and he would, he, every day, he was like constantly ragging on everybody. Anybody who was a CEO, it was basically like we didn't exist. And it was hard to imagine the fact that there was someone that was in for so long that had like eight deployments that would be treating people this way. And he's in this position of power and authority and he's acting like that. And it was just like, it, you already don't feel like you do anything right. So then when someone is doing something that's clearly unjust, it's like that that's where the bitterness just started to just yeah. increase every single day. It's unfortunate, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh I've I've served with those guys that um took advantage, you know, of the the leadership that they were, you know, um honored with uh and maybe abused it, you know. Um yeah, I, I, yeah. Unfortunately, I've, I've been under that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, you know, I, I, I think you know, <laughs> I, you know, you said it. You know, I have this thing, man, and I just recently learned about it. 
Uh, it's called imposter syndrome. Yeah, I got that too. Bro, That's why I didn't I, want to like, do this podcast. <laughs> I um, I struggle with that. Hold that mic a little yeah. bit closer to you. You, um, can, you can move the top piece. There okay. Yeah, I've dealt with that probably my, my whole life where I don't feel like I rate a, a position or whatever. Um, so I, 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 I don't know, man. I, 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 every time I'm there and I'm thinking about it, like, how do I want to do this? Like, how do I want to do it different? I always fall back to what did my mentors do? You know, what would they do um, in this situation? And uh, I always go back to, you know, um, respect and treating them as if you would want to be treated. Um, kind of going back to drill instructor duty, um, the on the depot at that time, uh, again, a lot of it, it's self-induced to drill instructors uh, to where drill instructors got hazed. Um, and I always told myself, man, like, you know what? Um, when there, that time does come, I think I want to, I want to say something about this, or I want to change the narrative um, on how drill instructors get treated. And um, uh, I remember as they call it a Bobby. The Bobby is the new guy. And when we have, uh, you look at the training schedule, and if the all the recruits have to be at this specific event. The Bobby has to go to other companies looking for their recruits to come be Firewatch for your oh, squad yeah. bay. Okay. So I remember, man. Um, I, you know, and I'm a senior. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a, a senior staff NCO at this time. I go to a house and I do what I got to do. You know, the the Bobbies. You go and you mess up the house. Um, even though it's not yours, but it's kind of the thing you do. You you mess the house up until they stop you, and they say, "What do you want?" And you let them know, "Hey, I'm you know whoever with this company, you're respectfully asking for recruits this time." Usually they give them to you, but um, uh, there was those old school hats. They were like, you know, they they haze you, man, and they leave you out there. You know, if they mm -hmm. weren't doing nothing, like, man, let's just do the work um, and. You know, so I I told myself, you know, um, sleep was a big thing. Pick up, you're not sleeping. You're not gonna sleep for 48 hours, you know, 72 hours, um, and you are gonna work, you're gonna scream, you're gonna, all this. Um, so when I got to that moment or that, that, that cycle, it was like, why not? You know, at this time, the company I was with, we were the lowest of the regiment and we didn't win nothing. Performance and anything. Yeah. I think uh, my platoon was like that. They were turd platoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, we were the lowest, man. And then, you know, nobody liked it at this time because they were used to the norm. Mm -hmm. They were used to like, ah, oh, this new hat, I'm going to haze them. Um, but it was like, why? Like, why? Why? What's wrong with them getting a few hours sleep? Um, because let's look at what what's to come. Now you have a hat that's rested, um, you know, that has energy to do what they need to do. They've been fed, you know, so yeah. we got some food because it's, it's, we black, you know, you, you become that guy, you know, that dude, um, oh, you got some sleep. 
wow. Oh, you got some food. Wow. Yeah, like we eat our own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. You're like, oh man, you must you must be the the weak hat yeah. or the sugar hat. Um, like, why? But when you're yeah. taking care of each other, dude, we went from last to the first on the regiment. Mm-hmm. You know, you have hats that were actually like, let him go home. Yeah. Let him go see his family. Let him get some sleep and come back. You have a 100% fully recharged hat that's going to do their job and they're going to be even a, like even a greater asset. Um, but at, at the same time, it was hard to tell hats to go home because they knew if I go home, I, my, my team is losing you know, yeah. a big portion and they're going to have to pick up the workload. So I'd have to take hats to their car and walk them out. And dude, it was very common. Mm-hmm. Them leave, go ca- go catch an hour of sleep and come right back to work. That uh, When I was at, we were at Edson, um, my kill hat, uh, do you remember Saavedra? Mm-hmm. He, I think he like fell asleep in the parking lot because he was going to and from the depot yeah. and he fell asleep. Or the dudes that you've heard recently where they like, they're drinking monsters like crazy and then they have heart attack or yeah. something like that. Dude, it's like, that's a, that's a rough life. But I, I get where they're coming from because I was at, not in drill instructor school or anything, but I was at a phase where I have to be the best. I have to be the fastest. I have to, I was at that phase and I know it's like becomes an obsession. Yeah. You're like, and the moment I miss it, I'm out of the loop. You get injured, it's like, I rub it off, like just whatever. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just going to forget about it. Mm-hmm. You're not taking care of yourself. And then over time that compounds and then you end up being ineffective. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like even in, in the infantry, like you're that dude, like, oh man, you're weak. You're going to sit call today yep. because your, your leg hurts. Your, <laughs> you know, you yeah. self-induced, man. Like, like fast forward, now I'm retiring yeah, and I'm like, yo, I, I'm broke. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like all this hurts, and my medical record has like two papers in there. Yep, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I got to take care of myself. Even, even like the way you train too. A lot of the the old school stuff was just run. Like if you want to run farther, you're just gonna run farther, mm-hmm. and that's not how you train. And right. I, I hope that a lot of the younger guys are a lot more in tune with physical fitness now. Probably thanks to Instagram or something. Sure. And the way that you train and stuff, calisthenics are more, it's like, why don't we look at like MARSOC or something and mm-hmm. how they train and start implementing some of that at the lower levels. I feel like it would preserve a lot of everybody's bodies more. Dude, I, I um, I, that was a, a big issue of mine when, um, you know, wrapping up towards, you know, me getting out was um, like, we are the war fighters. Like we are those dudes like, why are we not pushing ourselves, you know, to that state of going internal? You know, like, why? You know, like, why are we not, you know? Um, and then, and then uh, dude, I got into it with the with Sergeant Major, and that was kind of like the tipping point of like, yeah, it's it's time for me to go. Um, where it was just my mentality, man. I tell the the staff NCOs, I tell the squad leaders, like, push them, push them. And get them to that point. Don't hurt them, but push them, uh, and know. Okay, this is this is their this is their 
max effort. Mm-hmm. So next week, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to push you a little more. Yeah. Um, and but I I'd call the dudes out, man, and I I like you guys are really quick to be that superhero on the PlayStation or Xbox, man. But when it comes to you doing it real life, you know, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not at that level and why don't you want to get to that level? Um, because it's hard. Yeah. You know, like it's not it. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know because like, like something that's never stressed ever is stretching. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that would have probably saved so many injuries from everybody if we would have, done more stretching instead of just wake up at four in the morning. Hey, we're going to go ruck for 20 plus miles. Yeah. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just, you know, it's stuff like that where I'm like, we could be smarter about this. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, but I mean, there's injuries. Like I, I injured my, uh, my shoulder in boot camp, lifting a pack up onto a rack um, that I just brushed off. I'm like, there's no way I'm staying here any longer and I have to. Yeah. Um, I injured my back. I was telling you I got a couple slip discs in my back. I injured my back a long time ago, but that was during a time whenever I was just working out all the time. So I had the muscles to kind of keep everything in place, but I always had some back issues. Now it's, it's hitting me. All of my joints are jacked up. Sure. You know, and now I I look back on it. I'm like, I could have been smarter, Yeah. you know, because there was a a point whenever I was looking at going to um, Marsoc selection and I was training for like two years, but I was, I was learning from the old guys that were like, if you want to do this, you just got, you don't train properly. You just do it. So it was like, okay, get a 55 pound pack and run to the Onslow beach 12 miles away in under two hours and do that every other day. And then not only do platoon PT, but you're going to do it with a pack. And then you're also going to go to the gym every day. And then you're also going to swim. And I was never giving my body a break. I wasn't sleeping Mm -hmm. like, and now I'm paying for all of that. Sure. You know? Yeah. My, my introduction to the fleet, uh, the company Gunny uh, would pull out and um, no stretch, no nothing. It was, you know, right face and yep. and go. He would, he would smoke a cigar, <laughs> <laughs> but he was, you know, he was like a sub 18 runner. I hate those people. Yeah, I know. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, we're going to get into, uh, you know, we're coming up on an hour here. I want to get into what you do now. Yeah. How um, did you start out as an MLO? Yeah, so mortgage loan originator. Right, for those listening. If you yeah, know. yeah, um, yeah. I I took the test and um, uh, I I got into it and um, I, I dude, I I, I kind of just got tossed into like, hey, just kind of let's figure it out. You know, the company that that I was with, you know, there was there wasn't there was one dude, uh, his name was Mike, um, Air Force dude, that. Man, mad respect to this dude, man, because he, we were there. I, you know, he had a bunch of young guys that didn't know nothing about originating, and you know, I had business coming in, like I had clients, veterans that, like, all right, Paul, I trust you. Like, let's let's see what this looks like. So now I'm here, like, hey, Mike, what do I do? Like, I'm not, you know, he would stay with us twelve, one, two in the morning, beer and pizza, man. Like, let's figure this out. You know, he he was experienced, but he was coming from Hawaii, so Texas was new to him. So we were all trying to figure it out. Um, you know, fast forward, um, you know, now, now I have repetitions underneath me. Uh, what I am seeing in this industry is the lack of education, the lack of knowledge that 
military personnel just do not receive as we're serving or transitioning out. Um, and we're trying to fill that gap of arguably the biggest benefit we receive for serving our country. You know, 30 years is a big portion of our life, $100,000 that we're responsible for. Why are we not educated? Why do we not get sat in a classroom and, you know, it being part of the ops plan, like during a workup and like, yo, y'all are going to learn about this mm -hmm. because this is, you know, this is as a leader, this is what we're paid to do. We're, we're, tr we're, we're paid to train you to be educated, to have a better foot forward than what we did growing up. Um, so our, my boss, Tony, a Marine as well, um, he did this years ago. He, he got into the industry because when he got out of the Marine Corps, uh, he applied for a loan. The loan officer didn't tell him about VA. He just said, how much money you got in the bank? And he said, okay, you know, we're gonna put you into an FHA platform. Okay, he did closing his loan. Fast forward, he's now in the industry. His boss tells him, you're gonna read up on VA uh, guidelines. He's like, what's VA? He's like, well, that's a benefit that veterans rate, you know, to save money on getting a home. He's like, I'm a veteran. Like, why didn't I get told this? So yeah. he took- I, he, Yeah, I think they try briefly for like the week that you're going to seps and taps. Yeah. You know, they yeah. like try to like shove it all down your throat. Yes. Here you go, check the box. We, we told them how to do yeah. life. And yeah. moving on. Yeah. yeah, mine was a five minute VHS video, bro. Oh my gosh. Of the VA home loan. And so he, he you know, created this and um, brother, I, I can tell you, man, and I'm not scared to say this. I've, I've told Tony this. I can give a crap about doing the loan. It does, that doesn't, I don't care about doing the loan. I can care less where a veteran does, you know, closes, you know, uh, they can go any lender, a bank, I don't care. Did you get educated? Because there's so many ways that you can benefit from this um, to make your life better. Because at the end of the day, bro, we're gonna die, you know, I have a benefit that I can't take my homes with me when I die. Mm -hmm. So why do I use this power? What's the benefit? Well, I can set my kids up for success by utilizing this to its max yeah. and setting you know things in place to where I die, my kids have assets or they have residual income coming in from this benefit. Yeah. And then that's, dude, that's like what, that's my fire, bro. Yeah. Um, seeing veterans like learning about this and being educated um, so that they have a better, you know, way forward. Yeah. I mean, like I had to learn all that on my own. You know, it's not like my, my parents didn't teach me that cause they didn't know. Um, I, and I lived, I didn't live in low income. I lived in like a middle of like a middle America kind of family. My dad sure. was a firefighter. He made decent money and um but even in that environment people don't understand how owning a home works or how loans work or how money works finance personal sure. finance they don't understand any of that stuff and so a lot of the time I was surrounded by people that just didn't know mm -hmm. and so I didn't even know what questions to ask yeah you don't know what you don't know don't I've heard sure. a VA loan but I don't know how the process works yeah. like what <laughs> yeah. is what yeah. is an MLO yeah, yeah, yeah who am I talking to like I don't even know mm -hmm. um yeah, that's a, it's, it's a big thing I think people need to understand 
too. I mean, on this podcast, I talk to mostly business owners or managers and stuff like that. Um, I I try to impress at least recently on to all of them the importance of teaching your employees things like this because you are a team. Sure. Like, yeah, you might be calling the shots, but if they don't want to work for you, you don't have a team, you don't have a company. And so, like, you have to take care of people. It goes into wages and stuff too, but... Bro, you... So a big part of this is um, there's this book called Energy Bus and it's like, do we have the right people on the bus? You know, um, do we have the right people that are in line with our mission and vision? Um, So, you know, um, we make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with the ones that, you know, want to, that are bought in 100%. You know, I, I want to serve the veteran community um, by way of you know education, you know at the same time we can facilitate, but more importantly the education piece of this, um, you know, yeah, it, it's huge um, on making sure that you have the right people that you're you're working with um, because if they're not here um, for the right reasons, it, it hurts, it breaks the machine down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, super blessed to have a crew that that that's riding with uh with us you know you know during this journey yeah um so in this office what are the positions that that are in this this office that you're so we have um we have our ops um personnel though they're the you know they're the kind of the headquarters um the overseers of everything that goes on then we have our loan officers um then we have our loan officer assistants processors um we have uh closers um, and you know that's that comprises the the company um, that's in this office. Uh, so our owner Tony, he 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 sits right you know right next to us. Uh, so you know you have a lot of respect for that man because he's probably one of the first, he probably is the first one here. And um, you know when you look at it, he doesn't have to. He's the owner of the company, you know. But that's that just marine mentality, man. Where. You know, if my dudes are there, then I'm right there with them. You know, I'm, I'm going to serve right next to them. They got a question, they need something approved. You know, that that's at my level that I, ha- I you know, I, I have to get involved. Um, he's right there, you know, and uh, that means a lot. You know, the, I've always, you know, I look at that man, like, you know, being a, you know, now I've been um, honored to to manage this, this, this branch. Um, I can easily say, well, I'm going to take one of these offices, but I put myself in where the crew's at, you know, um, because I'm not above anybody else, dude. I put my pants on just like anybody else. You know, I, I don't think I am better than anybody else. So if my crew's doing it, I want to be there right next to them, you know, doing it right next to them. Um, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't just learn that. I learned that in the Marine Corps. Um, if my dudes were filling sandbags, I'm gonna fill sandbags with them. Um, you know, if they're doing something in the field, well, I want to do it too. You know, um, there's a level of respect that comes with it. Um, you know, because I told them the first day that I was announced as the the you know the the branch manager here. Um, the first time we got together, letting them know like. Um, it's us, it's not me, you know, it's, uh, it's, we're doing this together. 
Um, so any big decisions that we're going to move on, we're going to talk about it. Um, and, you know, some of the things that I may have to do at, at a moment's, moment's notice, I may need to pivot, you know, trust me enough to make the decision for the best intentions of the crew, not myself, you know. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of like a, the crew that we have here, man. We have a good, good, um, solid crew, man, that, that, uh, that are just good, genuine people. That's good, man. That's so cool to hear that. I mean, I'm sure if anybody's listening to this and you want to get your mortgage done, that's the kind of team you want to work with. Mm. You don't yeah. want to work with the guy that's trying to be shady and doesn't really care about you. You're just a number. <laughs> yeah. and, and unfortunately, this industry is that, dude. Mm -hmm. It's um, very cutthroat. Um, man, kind of going back to that word, love. Um, I have a really hard time with that word, bro. Like my dad told me growing up, um, he's like, if you say some, if you tell somebody you love them, you're willing to die for them. You know, so fast forward, I'm taking that and I'm going to the Marine Corps. I'm like, oh dude, I love these dudes because they're, like, they're legit yeah. gonna die for me and I'm gonna do the same with them. Hmm. Um, then fast forward to civilian life and I, I see this word love getting tossed around. Yeah. But then it's like, I love tacos. Bro, I love yeah. It's like, <laughs> I love you, dude. Like, do you really? Yeah. Like, you know, you just, you know, there's some, again, I'm not going to get into it, but like there's so much like stupid crap that happens in this industry where that word gets thrown around. It's like, nah, like. Love I, the customer, but they don't really. Yeah, I mean, even the customer, but even internal. Oh, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I I have I have a really hard time when that word's used. Um, you know, like at the end of the day, I, I told the crew like, um, I know you you know I I can't I can't you know have your trust like yesterday. I'm gonna have to earn that trust. Um, so these are the things that we're gonna do so that way it's it's you know you know that it's us and not not me. You know it's us riding together um, for this. For, to for you know for success, um, and but also letting them know like at the end of the day, this is about the veteran. This is about the person that's on the opposite side. So whatever we're dealing with internally does not matter. You know, um, it's all about that family because let's be honest, man. Like we know that our military personnel have their own crap that they're dealing with, you know, because of the military. They're transitioning out and they have this stress or this pressure that they're dealing with. Now let's talk about a mortgage. That's a stress in itself. Right. You know, that going through this process is, um, it's, it's intense, you know, uh, because this is a huge milestone. So we need to be the professionals. It's a lot that, of money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like letting these dudes know, like, yo, man, like, know our target audience. Know that, you know, um, these veterans that you're dealing with on a daily basis, if you haven't served, you need to know this is what they're dealing with. And if you are being unprofessional um, or you don't know what you're talking about, then get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Because what you're not going to do is put this added stress on them, um, you know, that's going to now trigger them. It's going to put them into a point where we now cause more harm than good. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The VA could probably take some notes from that. Bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know, man. Um, what's the difference between like originators, underwriters, brokers? What is the difference in the process? Yep. So um, underwriters are basically the keepers of the, the gate. They, uh, so the analogy we like to use is um, I am the lawyer as a loan officer. I am going to do everything to prepare your package um, to be seen by the judge, AKA the underwriter. Um, I may have an assistant. Think of that as my paralegal. Um, both as a team, we're going to get everything right and tight to present to the underwriter. Um, and they say yes or no. Um, so they are, they're everything, man. They're the ones that make the yes or no call. Um, so that's an underwriter. A broker, um, they're kind of independent. They are independent. They have the ability to go to different lenders and say, okay, you know, um, you guys have the best, you know, um, product, the best rate. I'm going to use you. Um, and then you have direct lenders um, that we are, we, we're, we're backed by a, uh, another company. Um, so that's a difference. Okay. Um, I told you that I had gone through the MLO training mm -hmm. online. Yeah. Um, and there just like wasn't a spark. It was super dry, <laughs> boring it is. stuff. It is. Um, one of the big reasons I didn't say this last night that I decided not to do it was because looking at the mortgage industry as a whole, I saw it all starting to come down. Mm -hmm. People weren't refinancing because interest rates were going up. Mm -hmm. Um buying homes was slowing down. And yep. so it was like the money isn't really there and it's real hard to get into the industry and then also be successful in the industry and stuff. Sure. Do you have any advice if there's someone who wants to get into that industry or maybe they're already in it, like yeah. how to stay competitive? So what helped me, um, I've been in a, in a time and an era kind of like this, not as long. This is probably the most difficult one. Um, but what helped me do, this is a relationship industry. If you don't have trust um, or people don't value you, it's going to hurt you. Um, what kept me alive was being able to be, um, I, I made myself a part of, uh, of organizations and, and I would be in, at different events. Um, it was selfish because I wanted to be there anyway, like PTSD of, of America, I, I, would, I would go. I, I needed it. As I was there, I never talk about business, man. I would never talk about you know what I did unless it was asked. Um, I feel like because I did that, it allowed them to trust me. Like, oh, Paul's here for the right reasons. Um, and You're not handing out business cards. Exactly, dude. Yeah. Because what annoys me, bro? Like, I don't know if you get it. What annoys me, man, is people that I may know. They're my acquaintances. They're not my friends that hit me up. I haven't talked to them in years and like, Hey man, I'm doing this. Like, let's talk, let's do business. Like, dude, I like legit. I reply like, Hey man, I'm doing good. My family's doing good. Thank you for asking. Like, come on, dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like I, it, it, it annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, but knowing that, that, that annoys me, I don't want to push it. Like I am there really because I want to be there. Should they ask me, I have to earn their trust, you know, first. 
Um, and if they need help, if they want to talk about whatever, then yeah, here's the information. You know, you want to sit down, let's sit down. Um, if not, then here's the information. Whoever you trust or want to go to, go, man. Like, go do it. Even with, if it's somebody else, like, just keep me in mind. Um, because if they are telling you something that's not right, let me know. You don't feel comfortable with what they're telling me. Let me vet it and I'll make sure it's the truth or it's facts. Right. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, I don't want you to get blindsided or I don't mm -hmm. want you to get um, steered in the wrong direction. Because unfortunately, that's the industry, dude. Yeah. Um, the people get lied to, veterans get lied to. There's so many myths or misconceptions about the VA home loan um, that they get suckered into. Um, a loan product and that makes no sense for them. Like we were telling, like I was telling you yesterday, man. Commands aren't major, bro. Got told by his realtor um, a lie, and you know, long story short, I'm like, sorry, major, that's not true. Let me show you, and saved him fifty five thousand dollars, man. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, wow, like that's like double what a, like the average yearly income is for people. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was telling you I had a similar, sort of similar issue when it came to selling my house in Vegas where I, I was looking at the paperwork and I don't have a lawyer with mm -hmm. me to look at this paperwork. So I'm sitting there awkwardly with the person and I'm going through this like 500 page <laughs> document, you know, and I'm finding things that are messed up with the numbers. And it was gonna be like, I think it was like, it was either 15 or $25,000 that I was gonna miss out on because of typos or something. And I don't know if it was malicious. I think it was probably just incompetence somewhere in the process. Sure. Um, but because I was paying attention and I was looking at that and I, you know, I have a brain, I was like, yo, this isn't right. You gotta recheck those numbers because that's not, that doesn't make sense. Right. And I ended up being correct about it. Wow. But someone that is just going in, they're like, you know, terms and services, whenever you get a new iPhone, <laughs> like no one reads that crap. Agreed. Yeah, but <laughs> this is like, you, you have money on the line sure. now. This is yeah. like hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have on the line. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that's, I, I think it's super important that you, you properly vet who it is that you're you're doing business with, and this isn't all business. This yeah. is business deals, business to business. This is everything. I, I think um, you know I, there are in this industry, man. Like everyone is a VA quote unquote expert. You know, um, you know this is this subject matter expert, or you know I I have the veteran's best intentions on the line. You know. Um, for me, man, it's like, are you really like, or are you really just getting paid? Like, are you, are you the VA expert? Um, you know, if we're going to throw that word around, how much time are you really putting back into the community? Because time matters, you know, like you can sit up there or stand up there in front of a crowd and cut a check off because, you know, Hey, we're giving back to the community, but if we're being real, like time matters, mm -hmm. you know, um, we don't have a lot of time on earth, you know? So like for me, it's like, what what are you doing, you know, to, to say that you're giving back or you care about the veteran community that's worth time? You know, money comes and goes, you know? Um, like for me, it's like, I, I want to give back time. Like I want to be able to, you know, um, to help the, the community out 
buy my time. You know, um, that's more important to me, man, than and anything. So I always keep my ear to the ground and I keep my eye out. You know, for those that you know say like I'm here for the veteran community, like that's funny, man, because I don't see you really giving time. Like you may be doing a loan, but at the end of that, you're getting paid. You know, um, or you helping them into a house, but you're getting paid, you know, what What else are you doing? Yeah, just because you've processed a VA loan once doesn't make you the expert on <laughs> VA loans. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you kind of keep, I know you're in San Antonio, but mm-hmm. do you guys work with people in other parts of the country too? Or is it, uh, do you get redirected to a branch somewhere in a different state? So we have what's called our multi-state team. Okay. Um, our, one of our um, senior LOs is our team lead, Nick. Um, he's responsible for that. He, uh, we cover a huge portion of the nation, not necessarily the, you know, um, outside, but um, we're licensed in a lot of states. Um, uh, but we, we have LOs that um, that, that can t- service other um, other states for sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you as a branch manager kind of keep your pulse on the, the mortgage industry or is it just regionally in San Antonio where you're paying attention or do you kind of look at the whole nation? I know real estate yeah. in general is a regional thing. Yeah, no, I have to. Um, you know, I, I always want to keep a pulse of what you know what's going on. Um, I know recently uh, there's been some huge layoffs. You know, with some big banks. You know, some big yeah. you know lenders. Um, you know, and that's just because of the market. You know, um, in this industry, man. You know, um, loan officers are are most most of the time they're 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 they get a comp. You know, they're they're on. Um, um, they're, they get paid for every loan that they close, so there's not really a, 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 a negative when it comes to the P&L of, of the branch. Um, so they, you know, they get compensated a different way. Now they have the salary employees where um, the support team, those are the ones that you know, we have to make sure we're taken care of. Um, so in this industry, if there's no volume coming in, then it's very hard to support, you know, those that are supporting. Right. Um, so that's what you know we've seen. You know that the volume's been down because of the market, and those layoffs are coming from the support staff because they're holding those salary positions. Um, you know the LOs, you know they don't really cost anything, so they're there. You know, so it doesn't really hurt them. But at the same time, the LOs are are seeing like, you know, the market sucks. You know. Uh, they offer better rates, so I'm going to jump ship and go to them, you know, um, and I'm, we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've talked about briefly in some of the other episodes, I don't necessarily see a problem with people getting approved for loans right now. I see the problem of them being able to afford it as cost of living goes up later. So defaulting on the loan that they're approved for because everything else got so expensive. Yeah. And typically the mortgage is the last thing people think about paying whenever times get tight. Yeah. Because it takes so long for foreclosures or whatever to happen. Yeah. Um, do you see that too or am I just kind of... Yeah. I mean, it. you know, it. there's a... When you know this, you took the class, like morals and ethics are yeah. are part of this. Um, it, it, we have to make sure that we're keeping that in check, man, and, and letting the family know um, these are what your numbers look like. Um, and, you know, because of where we're at now, is this comfortable? 
like, can we have that discussion, you know, of is this comfortable for you guys? Because I know the emotional connection to this home. Um, let's fast forward. Can you guys sustain this um, without, you know, causing a lot of stress to the family? Um, you look about, you look at or talk through residual income, you know, gas, you know, all the, you know, um, uh, you know, bills, taxes yeah, exactly, insurances yeah. or whatever it is. Do we have that, you know, buffer to allow us to be comfortable um, aside from the mortgage? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, I always have those conversations, man. Like, you know, uh, are we good? You know, um, but it, it is, it, it's, it's a thing, um, you know, because of, you know, the economy and job layoffs and you know those are those are things that are that are real and happening yeah. today so what I always talk about um, with with you know the veterans that I'm helping I always talk about a um, an exit strategy it's it's always a part of me man um, it's just our mindset like do you have an exit strategy have you done a rental analysis of this home worst comes to worst you get laid off whatever happens divorce um, can you put this back on the market and rent it and still be okay, you know, um, without having to do a foreclosure, short sale, whatever it is? Um, can you do that? You know, um, so making them aware, like, oh, damn, I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're right. Let me let me look at that. You know? Yeah, my whenever I got my house, um, and I do this with uh, whether I was going to rent a house or an apartment or something, but also my mortgage. It's, it's getting increasingly difficult to do this now, but um, I would always take like what my VA disability money was. And if I can't, whatever my VA disability is, I would, I would go backwards 500 bucks mm -hmm. or, or more if I could. And if that payment, if I can't make that payment, it's too expensive. So that my, my buffer was like my VA disability. Gotcha. So at the end of the day, I could lose my job. I could not pay for utilities. I could not pay for anything, but at least I'm not defaulting on the loan of my house. Right, or right. I can still have a place to live in my... It's not always wise because I know that you know VA disability isn't 100%. The government could sign some paper somewhere and say, we're not paying sure. VA disability, right. which I think they're talking about doing in right. some forms now. Yeah. Um, but that's my backup. And that saved me through a bunch of hard times. I mean... Like, I mean, that's that money has really helped. But when it came to that was like all of that process was me learning it on my own. It was like I'm jumping in and I'm going to do this because I know like you're supposed to do this and I'll figure it out as I go. But do you guys do courses, maybe online courses? I know you do in-person courses where you're teaching all of this process. Um. The courses that we are offering um, is just the the education on on the loan. So we talk through um, the ins and outs, the, the details. Uh, we talk about um, what's called overlays. So overlays are basically um, rules on top of rules that banks and lenders put in place to utilize the benefit. Um, uh, we talk about those things are basically... Um, Things to be aware of, you know, I'll give you an example, um, debt to income. Mm -hmm. Debt to income is not a VA guideline. It's a lender overlay. So the lender is saying 
although the VA loan is a budget-based loan, a residual income loan, we are going to put this in place to make sure we're good when it comes to investors. Um, our our loans are prettier, um, so to speak. Uh, so can you can you break that part down? The good for investors. Who is it that they're trying to? So when they when they sell to make the money liquid to lend out again, uh, direct lenders usually put a group of loans together that are closed called mortgage-backed securities to investors. Example: Wells Fargo. They'll buy. You know, they're like, "Yep, give me this group. Um, now they are mine. I'm going to service these and get paid off of these loans." Uh, so I'm buying these mortgage-backed securities from you guys. Thank you. You know, here's the money for them. So the direct lender now has money liquid to lend out again. Which is why whenever you get a house, a lot of times you'll be paying one company and then, oh, now you have to pay this this company. This company is now servicing your loan. Exactly. And that's why there's the change there. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That happened to me. I went with uh, some some broker in, in Vegas and then like a month later it went to Mr. Cooper, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed with Mr. Cooper for, for a long time until yeah. I sold it. Um, do you see, we talked about this a little bit ago, like cost of supplies and stuff mm-hmm. going up, but also part of the reason why real estate's gone up a lot is because there's a low supply of real estate um, apartment buildings or houses that people can buy in the United States. Do you see, like, what's the balance there? Is it make is that make it more difficult to get people to come in to start buying property and and everything or yeah I mean um, the the price point of a home you know uh, builders you know raising their price because of the the material um, you know the you know the 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 buyers are like you know it, it's maybe out of my price range or I'm not comfortable. With that um, that mortgage payment, you know uh, that price tag. So yeah, we definitely saw that, but we are seeing it starting to dip back down um, uh, and and change. Uh, is that because cost of goods is or the cost of supplies to build are l- starting to lower? Because interest rates are still high. Yeah, um, they're they're high. Uh, in, in perspective, though, like a, a lot of people are looking at interest rates, they're comparing it to where we were two years ago um, when we were like in the twos, which was like yeah. historically low. Um, but if you were to look at the big picture, you know, being at the sixes, you know, is is that high? Well, comparatively speaking, it's not really high. Um, it, there was a time where we were eight, nine, 10, 11, 12% interest yeah, I uh, want to say my parents, whenever I was a kid, they got their house, it was like 8% maybe. Yeah. The, or maybe higher than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they were looking at, you know, so clients now um, are, are, are buyers. They're like, oh, it's it's high compared to where we were a couple of years ago. Like, well, I want the twos again. You know, me too. Like, I would love yeah. the twos. Um, That's you know, what my house was. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. still debate whether or not it was okay to, like, sell that house. Because I'm like, man, that interest rate was pretty good. But you know that you can assume a loan. Um, so if let's just say, um, for scenario sake, a a, a veterans in a, or yeah, a veterans in a, a hard spot. You being a veteran, 
um, want to assume the loan. I want that interest rate. What's the interest rate? I got a two, 2.5. I want that interest rate. Well, you can assume it. You have to go through their servicer. You have to apply through their servicer, but you would assume the loan and keep that interest rate. Is that talking directly to the, the homeowner? Yeah, I mean, or going through, you know, if you have a, a realtor talking through the realtor and if they're able or willing to do that, um, you can definitely assume it um, that that is allowed through through the VA product. So I'm, I'm trying to understand that because I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so um, um, I want to get rid of it. I, I, I don't want the loan. Um, I, you know, I, I hear that you're a veteran and I want you to take over um, um, and I, I'm willing to past the interest rate that I have, um, you can do an assumable loan. Um, the thing is, if you're already pre-approved with a lender, um, if it's not that service provider, you know, you won't be able to use them. You have to go through the service provider that they are okay. being serviced through. So that's how you could get somebody into a house, like the person who owns the property doesn't want it anymore. They go to you guys, and then you have a veteran family that comes in. Do you guys kind of act as the middleman there? Or is that? If we are servicing it, yeah. Okay. Um, if like our company is servicing it, we we can definitely do wow, it. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, see, here you go. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there any other like crazy hot tips like that? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the biggest one is like uh, the um, Blue Water Act that it's, it's, it's not old, but it's been around a few years. Um, a lot of veterans don't know if, if they've been told, in order for me to get exempt from the funding fee, I have to get my rating. I have to be, you know, ten percent higher, whatever it is. Um, Purple Heart recipients uh, currently serving, they are exempt from the funding fee. And that's in any state or just Texas? Anywhere. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, you gotta use the restroom. I gotta use the restroom. I gotta use the restroom, bro. Let's let's take a break. Something you were talking about last night um, when we were at dinner was how you had a, a problem where you went to buy a property and everything. Yeah. Can you, can you get into that? Yeah. Um, so it's always important to, you know, when you're dealing with uh, people, especially with this milestone, like to vet them and know that, you know, they know what the heck they're talking about. Um, so we were, you know, looking at our forever home and um, started driving around, seeing different spots we wanted to, you know, uh, to set up shop and just fell in love with this property, man. It was just the perfect location, area, schools, just everything. It was in the country. It just spoke to us. And um, the sign, you know, said uh, um, along the lines with the builder um, was financing the land. So me being in the industry and knowing uh, the details about how a VA loan can be utilized, I immediately called the builder and he confirmed, like, yeah, we can we can do a VA loan um, with this uh, with this build. So you know, obviously, our family's just pumped, man. Like, you know, this is it. Um, my wife and I are very opposite, man. Like, you know, um, we just it's weird. Like, people think like, how are you guys been able to <laughs> like work this out? Just because like you know, she she's just opposite. I like things and she doesn't like things. I like, you know, right. uh, anyway, we could never agree on existing properties. Like there was something like, I was like, oh, I don't like it. And she loved it. I loved it. She hated it. 
Um, and you're just looking at vacant land. We're just looking at land. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, well, we can both compromise and make something that's ours. It's personal. And, uh, you know, we, we asked them, how do we get started? And we did. We got the ball rolling, architect blueprints, money being pushed forward. Um, fast forward, man, I, I sat with the the same guy and I reminded him, like, you know, are you sure we can do this with, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm in the industry. I know how this can be used and how it can't be used. And he he told me, man, like he kept on telling me, he's like, yes, like, we can do it. We can do it. And the very last time I asked him, you know, I'm annoying at this point. I'm asking him again and again um, because now I'm I'm pushing thousands of dollars to him. Um, so I'm invested. And a uh, builder. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's like, Paul, you just bring me a conditional approval and we're good. That's all I need. Done. Got it. You know, within three days, I got a conditional approval from the underwriter, gave it to him. Like, here's your conditional approval. Fast forward, my file is now in title. The branch manager from title says, like, hey, Paul, there's a misunderstanding. You know, um, we got an issue. I'm like, there's no misunderstanding, bro. Like, you know, I know what I can do. Um, I immediately call the, the builder and uh, he apologizes, you know, um, and I'm like, how do you make this right, dude? Like, you know, like, how am I gonna get this money back? Um, like I've specifically asked you if I can do this and he apologized, you know, he's like, I swear to swore we could have, we, we can do this. And, um, you know, ended up, that was just a nightmare, man. Like we, I got just disappointed. Um, you know, my wife and I talked about it. We're like, you know, let's just stay here to stay at our home. And so it was the, the land or him building was financed, but it wasn't exactly the land or opposite of that. So it's called a two time close. Okay. Um, you have to close on the land first and then refi into a permanent loan. Uh, so VA, you can't use it for raw land. Um, you have to, there has to be an existing property on there. Um, so at that time, um, we were not able to um, to to move on on that personally. We weren't able to do that. Right. Um, so fast forward, now um, we are able to. So our company specifically, um, we are allowed to do a VA one time close, meaning that the land is included in the close of the property. We've been waiting for this for years, dude. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty excited about offering this product to, to veterans, especially in Texas. Texas, they want land, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah. they want to build on land. Um, okay, so, I mean, obviously the builder messed that up, but when you were asking him the question, mm -hmm. he seemed to know what he was talking about yeah. and saying, yes, you can do this. So what? how did it get past the underwriter if that wasn't... So the underwriter um, is only responsible for viewing the file. Um, that's it. You know, um, that's all she or he's going to look at is how it's structured, income, assets, liability. Um, you know, uh, everything file related. Uh, so which, all she's doing is saying, um, or he, are am I good with lending X amount of money to the family? how it's closed with land and, and home, 
two different things. That's where title gets implemented. Title is kind of a third party that uh, um, they're their own entity. They don't represent buyer or seller. They uh, have a legal obligation to close buyer and seller. Um, so there's no bias which way. Uh, so they get involved in closing um, uh, the funding of the loan uh, to parties. So insurances, uh, property taxes, uh, anybody, lien holders, they, they disperse money. Um, but they also close the legal documentation pertaining to the loan. Um, so the underwriter really had no idea of what is happening uh, on this side. All she's doing at this point uh, is reviewing the file and saying, okay, this is this is good. Um, if we would have went further, remember this is just initial underwrite. If we would have went further, um, she would have caught, you know, or he would have caught like, Hey, we're not funding on land. You know, we're, you know, we can't do this. Yeah. Um, at that point now, you know, we can, we can do that now. So what would you have, what would you have done differently? Was there something that you could have caught that you just like missed or? Um, I mean, really all I could have done at that point was, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I was asking the questions. You yeah. know, I, I specifically told the 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 builder uh, rep, um, like, is the land going to be included into the loan amount, into the final price, the uh, price of the home? And he said, yeah, it, it is, uh, which was not the case. Hmm. Yeah. And this was in a subdivision, you had said, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So was it a big company like DR Horton or something like that? Or I mean, probably not even allowed to say if he's. It, it it was a custom builder. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, if that if that got you, I mean, obviously you know now how to advise people if they're trying to do something later. But I mean, shoot, what what, what would someone do with that? I mean. Thousands yeah. of dollars just going straight to the builder, and they didn't even build anything. Yeah, you know, we, I mean, we we learned a very hard, yeah. you know, lesson. Huh. Okay. So, what what was that thing called again? The so uh, so yeah. So there's two products. There's a VA. Um, or you know, I'll just say there's a two time close. You know, there's con uh, conventional FHA, VA, USDA, um, two time close where you close on the property. They start the construction process. Um, they start cutting um, finances to the builder. Uh, at this point, it's in it's what's called a construction loan. That phase is construction loan. It's not a permanent loan until you're ready to refinance out of a construction loan into a permanent loan, which is VA, FHA, conventional, USDA. Okay, right, got it. Yeah. Does that work similarly to, I, I someone was telling me in, you're gonna correct me if I'm wrong, but the farmland, agricultural stuff, can you use VA loans for things like that? If there is a property, um, an existing home on acreage, uh -huh. you can definitely use VA um, on it. Uh, we have a lot of veterans that come and ask us, you know, I want acreage, um, you know, I wanna use my loan. Uh, we ask them, we start digging into or start probing, you know, is there existing properties? You can use it on a mobile home. Now there, there are some guidelines that state, you know, it has to be X, Y, and Z mobile home. Um, it can't be on axles. It can't be moving. You know, uh, it has to be on permanent structure, double wide. 
yeah. built after a certain year. So if there are these things on the property, let's take a look at it. You know, um, Is there a certain square footage that that building has to be for it to qualify or is it like you got an outhouse? That, no, yeah. <laughs> no, man. Um, we, I think the, the, I've closed on like, it was 800 square feet um, property. Okay. Uh, that was on like five acres. So it was a very small home on five acres, you know, older couple. So downsizing. Uh, so uh, three, eight Marine as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, as long as it meets the, uh, the safety requirements of VA, cause because VA is backed, it's right. insured yeah. by, by, uh, by the government. So they want to make sure that this is not a fixer upper. Mm -hmm. um, it's a if you were to default foreclose on the loan, can they put it back on the market and recoup some money? That's what you know okay. that they're looking at. What is there an acreage limit mm. or a or a cost of property limit? So we have to keep in mind, like when it comes to appraisal, um, you know the. The land uh, itself is a different cost value to the property. So when the appraiser goes out there, you know they're they're looking at land, but they're also looking at the property and how much it's worth. Uh, so that's where it kind of gets funky, you know, um, how much is going to appraise for? Um, because that is, man, you know, the there's so many misconceptions about an appraisal. Um, with dealing with VA and we deal with that a lot. Um, there's a lot of sellers, especially old school listing agents that, you know, oh, well, VA, we're not gonna accept it because VA has all these rules, um, especially when it comes to appraiser. The same appraiser that has his VA hat on um, during time of appraisal is gonna go right down the street and put his conventional hat on and be a conventional appraiser. Yeah, uh, it always dude. manages like the number that you're approved for always manages to be the exact one that you applied. <laughs> right. Like it's always the same. Like yeah. yeah, it's the same person appraising. You know, two different platforms, but same person. Yeah, it's not like the VA has a group of just VA appraisers. That's all they do is just VA. No, it, it's not. That's a big misconception, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna get into something. Mm -hmm. Do you know much about like crypto stuff? No, you don't get any of that. Nothing, dude. Like, uh, I I hear it. Like, yeah. it goes around the office, man. But, bro, I'm like simple, man. I don't yeah. even like going to Vegas because I don't like gambling. I don't like losing money. Yeah. And I give, <laughs> dude. I I've gambled once in Vegas. Um, I went to the roulette table. I had like fifty bucks, and it was like black or red. And I was looking at the the um, the uh, the sign or whatever it is the uh, where it, was, it shows you like what hit like red 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 and right. it was red for like six seven times like <laughs> red I'm gonna put red black <laughs> I was like I'm never gambling yeah I mean I lived in Vegas and I only gambled like maybe three times yeah and I was like every time I lost money within like five minutes <laughs> you know did you ever go out to 29 when they had the the casino out there. Yeah, they put a casino out in 29. Really? Yeah. No, it's probably gone, I think dude. they eventually like blacklisted it for Marines because they were losing all their money. Really? Yeah, but when I turned, uh, I think it was 21, it was either 21 or 18. It was 18. 
Um, I went, I had like 60 bucks that I got for my birthday and I went out there and I lost it all in like five <laughs> minutes. I'm like, this is dumb. This is just so stupid. <laughs> um, the reason I bring up crypto stuff is um, I've been talking recently on the past couple episodes about all of the stuff happening in the world, issues with the dollar, um, the massive amounts of money being printed and the group of nations called the BRICS nations. Have you heard up? Heard about it? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of a lot more nations, like hundreds of nations, that are wanting to sign on to that. And before, like the dollar was, it was backed by gold. Then it was kind of basically backed by oil. Right. Our our relationship in the Middle East and stuff like that. Right. Why we go to all those wars? Trump said at one time, like, "Why are we in Syria? Well, because of the oil." Sure. Like you can't say that. He's like. Well, that's why we're there, right? You know, um, those nations like Saudi Arabia doing a deal with China, where they're going to pay for it in yuan, and not the dollar anymore. Yeah, uh, Russia's leverage over Europe, over their natural gas and oil, saying Europe, if you're going to pay for our stuff, you're going to pay for it in rubles. Well, now those nations are all aligning, and if that happens, it's bad news for the dollar. Very bad. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm looking at big picture. Dollar supposed to be world reserve currency and that's what's kind of allowed us to create the society we live in. Mm-hmm. If the dollar goes to zero, what happens? And this affects everybody, sure. every industry, you know, yeah. especially, I mean, the mortgage industry, it's all loans. Mm-hmm. It's, it's somebody else's money. Yeah. If that, what, what would you say? I mean, cause I think uh, central bank digital currency, it's already in the works. Mm-hmm. Maybe we still have the dollar, but we have a blockchain technology that's backing the dollar now instead of a you know tangible asset versus the BRICS nations will have oil and gold backing their currency, whatever they go with. If that happens, wh- what happens to the mortgage industry? Yeah, we're, it, it's going to be bad, bro. Yeah. It's going to be really bad because, you know, right now, you know, if we're looking at talking about, you know, how we stand economically, you know, the... What we're seeing is inflation um, and cost of goods going up and maybe the pay not, it doesn't coincide with, you know, the work, you know, or, or the pay, the income that a family's getting. Uh, it's, it doesn't, it's not catching up fast enough. So um, I'll give you an example, man. Um, in Colleen, uh right now, Colleen BAH hasn't, um, hasn't adjusted yet. For some reason, we have yet to find out their BAH for the past two years. That's has, a basic. Uh, yeah, basic allowance for housing. Yeah, okay. It hasn't changed. It stayed the same, but yet the 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 price of housing has gone up. Um, you know, the the market in regards to, to mortgages uh, is is changing. So a two hundred twenty five k home. Uh, is you know costing you know whatever dollar amount, but their BAH has has not caught up to that. So if they really want a home and and capitalize on their on their benefit, they can't because it's it's putting them outside their comfort zone. Um, we're definitely you know definitely seeing that you know if it were to get any worse you know from where a family is uh, uh, is working trying to make ends meet and the the dollar just not having that power anymore to 
own, you know, or call it the American dream of home ownership, it, it's just going to be another, you know, um, wall that they're going to hit. Yeah, I mean, my my worry, like we're we're focused on interest rates right now. You can't get around the fact that our government printed eleven plus trillion dollars mm-hmm. in like three years, and it's hard to get people to wrap their minds around how much a trillion dollars is. Stupid. Yeah. I I think Afghanistan, the whole twenty years, cost like two trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. Like, I don't want to be like doom and gloom. This is Armageddon kind of deal. Not that I trust the government, but I feel like, you know, the United States, even though we might have other superpowers in the world that want to weaken the United States, the land here, our consumerism is a huge value add to whatever everybody else in the world is doing. Like just because like our economy might collapse, like something else has to replace it to keep the machine going because there's 300 and what, 50 million people in this country or something. Something like that. So I think about like something like the mortgage industry where if they, because they can switch, the dollar's basically a digital asset already. It's already digital anyways. That's why you could take a picture of a check and then the money is somehow magically in your account because you took a picture of it. But if you go to the bank and you try to pull out $100,000 cash right now, they're not going to be able to give that to you. Right. So it's already digital it would be nothing for them to just basically say this blockchain now backs this dollar. But now whenever you pay for it, it, it makes the value of the dollar different. I don't know if it's going to make it better for the dollar or if it's going to make it worse, but I know if there's a brink of World War Three, we have superpowers around the, the world that are aligning with each other, already talking about invading Taiwan, Russia-Ukraine deal, mm-hmm. um, the amount of Chinese takeover in Africa over resources. Mexico is looking at joining BRICS. They have massive oil and lithium deposits that they found. Basically all of South America is owned by China now. I see that and I see a big move toward really going against the United States. And if that's World War III, the United States government has to lower interest rates. Sure. Put that in quotations because like, what does that mean at that point? On, on the mortgage side, it's you know, we go back to, do we have um, that amount of supply? Yeah. And, and we don't. Um, we, for a good stint, um, when rates were really low, man, people were buying. There was not mm-hmm. enough inventory. Um, should rates fall again, you know, you're going to have those people again. Like right. those that are that are out of the market right now, like I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. And when it does they're going to jump on it um, and there's just not enough inventory. The builders can't keep up with uh, with the amount of, of the demand, you know? Yeah. Um, and if they, if they are, they're, they're going to make a dollar, they're going to make a good dollar amount on, you know, those that want to, to build. Um, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that t- it, it does, it takes advantage of the family because they're at their mercy. You know, uh, if something happens, uh, and and we've seen this on this end, uh, they're in contract, and for whatever reason, uh, the file. Um, let's just call it. Uh, we need to go to uh, final underwriting for a clear to close. Uh, well, we need something from the builder. 
to allow us to get into that phase. Um, the builder saying, well, uh, we need you to close on this day and it has to be that day. If the family doesn't close on this day, we're out. Family loses out in the home, we're putting it right back on the market and we're gonna sell it to another family. And it's like, why yeah. would you do that? Yeah. You know, and, but it's like, hey, you know, we have a plethora of people that mm -hmm. are willing and able to buy our product. It's unfortunate, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know a big thing with supply too is also the big banks or big hedge funds, BlackRock or Blackstone, uh, Carlisle Group, Vanguard, they were all outbidding everybody when everything was going crazy and mm -hmm. they were buying a bunch of homes. I was telling you about briefly, uh, a lot of, I don't know who these people are, but a lot of people are working with companies here in the US that are from China <laughs> and they don't even speak a lick of English, but yeah. they have someone talking on their behalf buying properties. That's another thing that I am like curious about. If we decide that we're actually officially gonna go to war with China, what if all of those loans that are opened by people from China, they just decide to stop paying them? Yeah. Like what? That, I mean, that's a massive, they bought so much. I think there was like a 200 square mile property in Texas that some Chinese billionaire bought. It's like, you know, what that in and of itself could crash the economy of a state, if not the country. So, you know, I don't know how deep you get into all this stuff. I like, I go like tinfoil hat. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> well, we were talking about it yesterday, man, where it's, uh, it, it, it comes to that, you know, your morals and ethics too, even on this side to where, <laughs> or do I want to, sell, you know, um, we're now we're talking about, you know, foreign, you know, uh, we're talking about that 3000, you know, um, acre property, yeah, yeah. uh, where it's, it's not owned by America, you know, and that's a pretty significant chunk of land of, of American soil that, uh, that's owned by somebody else. And they're capitalizing off are natural resources. Yeah, because they have the mineral. They the have that. Yeah. And the ranch hand is, you know, depositing millions of dollars straight to them. That's not our money. It's going somewhere else. You know, millions of dollars every week he, he mails or, you know, sends their way. Mm -hmm. um, that's not American dollars. You know, it, it's somebody else's. And don't they get, if it's, I mean, he's a ranch hand, don't they get a tax write-off because it's, Ranching, like I think, um, they do like property taxes. Yeah, yeah. they if they have an ag exempt, and they yeah. that ran specifically did because yeah. they had cattle. It's free money. Mm -hmm. It's free money for to probably go buy other properties throughout the United States. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I, it's that's wild, man. Um, well, I mean, what do you think? You gonna you gonna rejoin if World War Three kicks off, bro? I'm ready, man. <laughs> my, yeah, my um. I think that was a big, you know, uh, almost like without saying it, uh, if there was like subconsciously, like why am I, you know, the, why is it a tertiary reason um, why I continue to like go to jujitsu or, you know, try to stay in shape. Um, you know, if it ever happened, you know, and it came to our land, um, have to be able to, you know, lug myself, my kids, my my family around and defend them. Yeah. Um, 
I have no no issue at all if it were to come to that time to to say I'm I'm in you know understanding what the consequences may be yeah um, yeah it goes without saying yeah it's really it's really hard for me to because I feel like that would be in the wake of massive economic collapse in the U.S. Sure. so it's like it's just utter chaos in within our borders. This isn't even talking about going to some foreign land to fight. This is like, it's just as dangerous here in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like worst case scenario is like right around the corner. It's actually possible that this could happen. Yeah, dude. We're, we, we So much, I mean, so much crazy stuff that happens, bro. Like that's happening in the world and the, uh, uh, you know, the, just the, the, so my wife's into, um, she sees as in psychology, you know, uh, the, what COVID did, you know, to, you know, um, adults, children, um, when it call, when it comes to social skills and being able to interact with people um, on how big that affected us in regards to mental illness and what we're seeing today, um, you know, uh, that's a thing, man. It, it, mm-hmm. it is a thing that, that we're dealing with, uh, you know, and how do we combat it, you know? Yeah, I know there's something coming up recently where the DEA is trying to go after telehealth because they're they're trying to limit your ability to get medications. Really? Particularly, like, testosterone right now. Like, if you're doing TRT or something yeah. like that, um, the only way that you can get it is if you go into a physical building to mm-hmm. get it instead of it just being mailed to you and then you minister it on your own. Sure. Um, but it's like, it, how? what do you expect the population to do? You shut everything down. You tell like all of small business, they're not essential. You let big, big business run. The, the market shifts. You have telehealth. You have real doctors and physicians assistants and nurse practitioners doing these interviews and making sure that this this patient really needs something. You send them the drugs because it has to be contactless. You can't do it in person. It ends up being more efficient, and then the government comes in or a regulatory agency of some kind comes in and says you can't do that anymore. But yet, everybody's still having these issues. Yeah, It's like what it, literally every single thing that you can think of where the government is working against the people of the United States is happening. Yeah, I, I, it's it's harder, and with difficulties, you know, comes stress. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you overcome that? How do you adapt to it? Um, where it pushes those people to the edge? You know, recently, right. you know, um, I'm, I'm really can't talk to it, man. But I, you know, just because I don't really like talking about things that I haven't really read into, but the we're talking about mental illness and what happened in Nashville not mm-hmm. too long ago. Yeah. Um, you take away things or you don't, you don't, you know, uh, agree that there is an issue with certain things and, and pour into those issues. You know, these are the things that, that come, you know, uh, with you not making things, uh, being aware of uh, this is, you know, the, these are the, the, the secondary tertiary effects of uh, um, what we have been dealing with. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate, man, that we're, we're having to see that, you know, mass shootings um, is just an example. Yeah. I mean, and it, 
the highlight is because it was a, a trans person. Mm-hmm. But it, mass shootings before, they maybe they weren't trans. True. It could be someone that's just on SSRIs or something and they just start getting crazy. You know, mm-hmm. like mass shootings have happened before where it's just normal people. Like they don't have some weird title in front of their name. It's just a, a person that had a mental illness. Sure. I, I see a lot of the division being driven based on identity politics and less on like what is the real cause of this. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like how it seems like Big Pharma does that with, or at least the VA. You look at the VA, it's like an arm of Big Pharma. How many times do you go in there talking to someone about post-traumatic stress and they're not allowed to tell you if you want to get better, you have to want to get better. Sure. They say, well, we're going to show you how to cope. You're going to have this the rest of your life. And it's like, that's not true. Like, I know, I know probably now, I probably know a couple hundred vets that are like killing it out there now mm-hmm. that had a PTSD diagnosis. And then they had someone that learned how to live life and live with purpose and, and move forward with it. Yeah. Dude, I had an issue um, going through that, uh, my appointments. I, I, I blew up on the, uh, on the counselor and I feel bad now just cause I don't know. She just, she said something that I told my wife, like she said this, like, why did she say that? Like she, she should have known better. Um, but having gone through that and, um, you know, being treated by, um, prescriptions or whatever, uh, Man, I was I was a zombie. Yeah, you know, um, I just I, I was in just funk for a long time, and um, not not a long time. I, I take that back. Not a long time, but what helped me uh, a lot was being around um, being around each other, being around yeah. veterans. Man, uh, I think now I'm, I have a. a a pretty good grasp on myself and how to cope with things, um, because there's a purpose. Um, I can go to a group, I can go to a session, I can go to a meeting, and you know, dude, you know, uh, or somebody sits down next to me and you know uh, shares what they're going through. I can let them know without a shadow of a doubt. This is what's helped me. You know, being around. Um, each other and knowing that you know you're not alone like you have somebody that has gone through the same scenarios the same things that you've gone through um, and this is how we've coped with things let me share that with you yeah Um, so you're able to get that camaraderie again and build those relationships um, once again and I'm not even taking those medications anymore. Yeah. Um, that's that's my medication. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way when I get out. I, I, I got out. Um, I didn't... The only deployment I went on was 3-8. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was a pretty soft deployment. Right. It wasn't anything super crazy. But I was there when the, the green on blue happened at mm-hmm. Delhi. And I was involved with all that. Right. That affected me more than I thought it did and allowed myself to accept the fact that it did. And that's why I dealt with all of that for so long. It led into the bitterness. I was just fueled by like hate and just like, I felt distrust toward everything. 
that led it bled into my transition out and all this stuff. But when they started giving me the meds, they were treating it as if it was not a brain issue, but like, or they were treating it like a brain issue and not like a fix my soul issue. And I saw that that was a big deal. Cause for me, it wasn't like I had TBI or something like that. And now I'm having these symptoms. It was something different for me, but they were giving me the same meds for someone that's like psychotic and it was making me a zombie. And I was like, you know, I have to, I still have a life to live here. Like, yeah, you might suppress all of the symptoms that I have and make me just want to sit on the couch all day, but now I can't pay my bills. Like, it's like, I need to still be able to perform. And I realized that they were not interested in fixing what was going on. And even in the sessions I was going to, they, they just weren't talking about the real issues. It was like, a way for guys from wars past to get together and rehearse the glory days. And it's the same, it's like on repeat every single week and they go there for 40 years and it's just like, it's like, but no one's growing. Sure, No one's learning how to actually be successful in life. And it took me a while to get through that. I went through the Mighty Oaks Warrior Program. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's started by Chad uh, Robichaud or Robichaud. Um, he was a Marine recon guy, then MMA champion, yeah. all this stuff. And he started him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I went through their program and that was a faith-based program. I grew up a Christian mm -hmm. and it was like realigning myself to those principles. And like, that's what led me to be able to start finding my purpose and figuring out what that meant. And it started to fix my soul where now I'm not the person I used to be when I got out where I just hated everything. Sure. And so now that I'm on that path, it's like, well, I know, I don't know the, the combat aspect of combat, mm -hmm. but I did see the effects of it. I saw dudes that were blown up body parts. I saw a little kid shoot dudes that were friends of mine on the base. Yeah. Like I did see all that stuff. And so it's like, I didn't go through Sangin in 2010, 2011, but I know enough about what that's like. And I know trauma is trauma. Your brain just, it just knows trauma. It doesn't really know level of trauma. And that's why all the symptoms are basically the same. Lack of sleep, anger, depression, anxiety. But when I started treating like sleep and I started treating the depression, there was a thing about depression that I realized was that, that wanting to seclude yourself and not be around people is a trick that your mind plays where you think that if I just get away from people, all my problems will go away. If I just get further and further and further away from people, all my problems will go away. And it's actually the camaraderie that pulls you out of that. Mm. And that's why I think, you know, in your case too, it's like being around other people. And, that, and then on top of that, it's not just being around them and getting drunk. It's like being around them and trying to build them up. Sure. And then we build each other up. You know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And I wish the VA would talk about that or you know, allow organizations to come in and talk about that. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That's my fire, man. Um, you know, I, I guess where I'm at in life is I, I, I want to see people meet their goals. I want to see them, you know, uh, hit their wins. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, that again, kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, um, you, you come to a... a time in your life where 
I've I've done what I what I wanted to to do. Um, I've overcame adversity. I've gone through the challenges. Um, meeting those people that are going through it, you know, and letting them know, like, let me help you. Let me, you know, share with you what I was going through and talk through what helped me. So that way you can, you can, you, you can be better, you know, um, you can get through this, um, you know, suicide, man, like, uh, that's, it's a thing, it's mm -hmm. a thing. And it, it pains me, you know, um, since I've been out, I think it was like, I don't even want to think about it, but you know, it seems like, I don't know, been out since 14. It seems like every year I've been told that one of my dudes have has taken their life, um, you know, but, you know, it, it's, it's being able, I, I think where I, I stress myself out, man, it, again, self-induced, it's like, I, I can't, you know, um, I can't save the world, you know, I know I, I can't do that, but it's affecting your radius. Like, you know, who do I have, um, uh, a, 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 a relationship with, um, ensuring that they are good, they're solid, um, you know, and not trying to, I, I took a, a couple of, you know, passings very hard. Um, and then it's like looking back and like, you know, trying not to beat myself up too much. Like what else could have I have done, you know, to prevent that? Yeah. Um, you know, but kind of going back to, you know, um, being there for them, you know, letting them know like, uh, here's here's what helped me. Um, you know, maybe you can give this a try. You know, um, yeah. and and get through whatever you're going through. I mean, even that's a it's a hard pill to swallow. That even when you give that advice, like it's still on them. Sure. You know, it's it's still on them. Yeah. It, it pains you when they choose the wrong the wrong direction. But um, I've had to talk some dudes off the ledge, and that's not fun. Mm -hmm. um, I think. This is going back to literally everything we've ever talked about, but it was, it's not just, you, people feel like they don't have a voice so that they're not important, kind of like the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's the, you got to fix yourself, make yourself the best version of yourself, and then live with purpose to help others. And we don't know the order of effects of that, but we do know that it is positive. You're putting this positive energy, if you will, into the world. And it's going to affect people because people are watching you. Because as soon as you start excelling, and you, they know that you've been through some some hard times, and you start excelling and you're pushing through that, people are watching. Mm -hmm. And it could be someone that doesn't even talk to you; they're watching you. And just the fact that you're you're striving every day to be the best version of yourself picks them up. And it's literally like being in a ruck march. Yeah. Like I was, I did a. Uh, I did like a fast walk the other day and I did it at like ruck pace. Mm -hmm. Went up just a small hill and like everything was on fire. And I was Smoked. like, I was like, dude, what, how did I do this for like 20 plus? Like how, yeah, yeah. how did I do that? And I was thinking about it and it's like, it's being in the middle of the group and you start falling back. And then the guy behind you is pushing you forward or it's the, the NCO coming and checking the line and making sure everybody's good, pulling them forward. It's the, it's the not wanting to look like a shit bag. Mm -hmm. 
and it's it's all working together. Everybody's going through the same thing, but they're all they're all going toward the same mission, and it's all to be this better unit. Bro, you um you hit something. Um, so since I've been out, man, um, I've kept in touch with the you know like dudes that we were we were together or um, uh, serving with, and guys that I've never thought that would reach out and thank me um, for you know what what was done or what was talked about when we were in um, you know the mentorship or the the just the conversations that were had. Um, you know, that, that hit me like on a different level. Um, you know, I, I always, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, what we're talking about, man, that the imposter syndrome, I always feel like, man, man, I'm not the right person for this, this job, but, you know, having them like sharing, you know, my failures in life, um, and telling them like, I'm going to be very transparent with you. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be real and tell you like, I didn't, I'm not perfect, but maybe if you were to look at this approach or do something, you know, that is gonna help you later on in life or current, you know, in your life now, um, I'm not trying to be, you know, that a jerk, you know, but, you know, here's what I see and here's what I think you're failing at. Um, uh, you know, take this, you know, for what it's worth. If it works now, cool, if not, you know, maybe later. And it's the later, man, that I, I, I dude, uh, when I read those messages or get those phone calls, it's like, man, they hit me, they hit me hard. And it's like, okay, I, I did what I was supposed to do um, because now they're just at a point in their life where they understand and they knew, you know, um, why we had those conversations. Um, you know, so that, yeah, man, I, I love those. I, I love those um, those times. You know, when when those things go down. Yeah, I mean, and real imposters don't have imposter syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, if you have imposter syndrome, it's probably because you do have something to say. Mm. It is it is valuable to at least somebody. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, dude, I podcast for a living now. What is <laughs> what the heck is this? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're we're just over two hours now. Um, do you have any final thoughts about mortgage, about veteran stuff, whatever? Mm, no, man. I mean, um, I think a final. Um, you know, I, I think uh, my best advice is, uh, you know, uh, I think you know what helps uh, me get through. You know, the daily. Is, um, is 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 having that servant's heart, you know, um, you know, knowing that it's not always about you. It's 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 helping and and you know, uh, you know, moving forward or moving other people forward. Uh, you know, finding that purpose in, in life. You know, I, I think that's what helps me. So, like, if veterans are are going through it and trying to find out, you know, like, you know, what you know, how do I get through this? You know, that helped me, you know, that, that right there, if, if I were to put in a finger on Paul, how did you get through this dark spot? That right there, um, that being able to, uh, don't get me wrong, man. Like just because I was 
helping or serving doesn't mean I was going, I, I was not going through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I, I definitely was. Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about your your marriage last night, all of the roller coasters <laughs> with that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, like. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It, it wasn't easy mm-hmm. in, at all. Still not, you yeah. know, um, but I'm, I'm, you know, like personally, like as a man, as a father, husband, I'm not perfect, yeah. you know, um, you know, but striving, you know, to, to, to be better. Um, and I think what helps is, uh, again, just helping other people, giving back, you know, that's, that's probably where I'm at in life. Uh, you know, not, it's not about me anymore. It's, it's about, you know, my kids, you know, um, friends that, you know, my true friends and, and helping them, uh, you know, even if it's, if it's people that I've never met, you know, uh, hearing their story out and how can I help you? You know, how can I, uh, get you connected, you know, with, with, with the people that you need to, you know, talk to or be with. Yeah. That's it, man. Um, where can people find you if they want to do business with you or yeah. want to reach out to you? Sure. Um, so uh, my personal number, 210-254-0385, um, San Antonio, Texas, um, Aligned Mortgage, uh, uh, paul.perez at alignedmortgage.com. Um, you know, being here, my, my family already told me uh, I have five more years in this industry <laughs> and I'm hanging it up. Dude, you're not retiring. <laughs> so, so there's a there's a we have a Bass Pro Shop here, and you know I'm into hunting and fishing. There's an old man. He's probably hitting eighty, bro. I'm not greeter. He's the greeter. Yeah, I used so, to work at Bass Pro okay. in, in Rancho Cucamonga. So he's here, and I stare him down every time I <laughs> I'm pass. Coming for by. your job. I'm in coming years. for him. <laughs> if you're hearing this right now, John, like I'm coming for your job, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You said you also have a TikTok. I'm throwing you under the bus. What's your TikTok? I don't even know, bro. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. But my, uh, like I was telling you yesterday, man. Um, my girls definitely get so embarrassed of uh, of this thing. But you know, talking about ways to um, interact or to get you know talk crap or that camaraderie with veterans, dude. Like veterans that I've never met um, I throw some veteran TikToks on there and they're you know they start interacting and it's like man yeah hey I'm going through this what helped you bro this is it yeah you know this is it was just another way of me trying to connect with other other veterans you know what I mean yeah well hopefully they don't ban it uh (laughs) it's a uh at Perez PGJR that's my I guess that's my tag i'm not sure there we go i don't have a tiktok so <laughs> yeah. um all right final question i'm gonna yes, end sir. it on kind of a funny note what do you think of alien activity in the military all these dudes in the military saying they're seeing aliens and alien spacecraft what do i think of it yeah did you see any whenever you were in? i mean you were in no. since what 97 uh-huh. i never saw any of that crap no uh-huh. but now like everybody in the navy's like yeah i saw something no i i, I <laughs> no i don't know what the Never, never. I, I, I don't know, bro. I don't even. I've never even heard of that. Like, you believe in aliens? Uh, I mean, okay, dude. We're gonna probably go be here another two hours. This man. is why I, I gotta come back this. to San Antonio. I we'll, love this subject, bro. Because like, I'm all into not necessarily aliens, 
but what's out there. Yeah. Like planets, universes, like billions and trillions of universes. In uh, Yeah, dude, I, I'm all about all that. All about it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'd be stupid to say like, there's something, you yeah. know, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. We'll find out soon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening in again. Thank you for all the shares and likes and all the comments that you give me and stuff. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, please share this one. I think especially to, you know, the veteran community, but really anybody who's going through some, some hard times, like there was, you know, there's there's more people that care about you than you than you think. So please reach out if you are a business owner or manager and would like to be on the podcast and we'll we'll try to schedule something out. I'm I'm not a fan of going on Zoom and stuff like that. I'm all about being in person. That's way more personal. We get into some some good topics and uh yeah, so hit me up. Y'all have a good week and we'll see you next time. <laughs>